Because it's a religious context. And if it's not a religious context, we say Hashem or the name. Meaning, religious context, meaning we're all here. Generally, this is about as religious as you can get. Yeah, but we've got we've got a minion where it's the Sabbath. This is the community coming together. So yeah, yeah, we're praying. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than this. Is top shelf as far as what we would do with, with his glorious and holy name. Um, I am trying to teach myself that when I read the scriptures to myself, I'm trying to say Hashem in my head rather than Adonai. Just because I want to make his name special because I... It is. It is. It is, it is special. There you go. On the other hand, when yes. Messiah returns, we won't say Adonai any longer. Cool. We will, we will actually say the four letters. We, we will say the name, the ineffable name, the unspeakable name, we will say. Because you read about that in the book of Revelation. He's got a name written on his thigh that no man knows but himself. Hmm. Well, that's what it says. I know. Would you think that's the four letter name? I don't know. You tell me. I think everyone knows that name. Well, no, we don't. Do we know how to say it? Do we know how to say it the way he wants no, us to I say it? No, I said we don't know how to say it. Well, maybe it means we don't know how to say it. I don't know, but don't argue with the word now. You know, I was arguing with your interpretation. Yeah, that's a good point. If you don't know how to say it, do you really know it? You can call me dad. That's that works. <laughs> Today is the 16th of Sivan. We are done with all of our opportunities for festivals and gladness until we get to uh, the time of the beginning of the new year, the new calendar year um, for uh, Rosh Hashanah, which will be on the first of Tishri, which is uh, an excellent reminder of our Lord, as it's the only one of the festivals that falls on a day that you cannot prepare for based on what the moon looks like. Because the moon, as you know, just yesterday was full. And you could tell. And most of our holidays fall right in the middle so that you can see it and prepare. So this is why two witnesses were set out to watch for the moon to see that first sliver on Rosh Hashanah. Two witnesses. Well, that brings up what we're going to talk about today. Beha'alotcha is our portion. This is the 36th portion of the year. How many portions are there? 56. Close. 54. 54. Yeah, it was a follow-up there, but that's three in a row. It's good. It's good. It's scary, actually, is what it is, Katie, but uh, we love you. Know it all. We love you. That's it. No, really. <laughs> Well, you know they take uh, all of the kids take care of their parent take after their parents and I'm grateful to know them all all right by way of reminder um, you should uh, speak up when you make comments so that the people that are listening um, in Canada a we have folks listening in Minnesota folks actually in California that are actually choosing to stay and live there it's astonishing to me uh, we have folks down in Texas Jeremy is in Colorado now and um, how many of you watched uh, the Miss America pageant when you were kids and you saw Miss Trinidad and Tobago? Remember that lady? Yeah, always pretty girl. Um, we actually have Angus and his wife, who I can't remember, uh, in either Trinidad or Tobago. I think it's Tobago. Um, but they listen uh, religiously. I think that's just one thing, though. 
I thought it was like two Trinidad and Tobago's one. Yeah, they just say it. Put we're from the Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad and Tobago. Okay. And Tobago. And Tobago. Okay. Okay. I'll have a sandwich with tomato. So. It's pronounced Minnesota. Minnesota. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So we do have we do have folks listening, and of course, can we can we not mention Gastonia? Yeah. Okay. So there it is. We, yeah, but we can't. That's it. That's right. Floridians listening too. How about that? Yes, indeed. Texas. It's a wonderful place. Okay. Uh, we do want to we do want to make mention of uh, a couple things. First, I think an extraordinarily large thank you should go out uh, to the Upham family for hosting our Shavuot gathering. Oh, yeah. For those of you who missed the drosh that uh, Greg did at the end on the book of Ruth, wow. Where is it? Little chiastic poetry thing, and and there's no audio, so we're posting the slides so that you, you know, for those of you trying to, you know, quickly take notes. So he has already provided that, I think, the day after the holiday. So um, my bad, but we're working on that. And then uh, another thank you out, uh, truly thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, and then uh, another thank you out to a uh, first-time teacher of the Tzadi class, Mr. Jerry Wright. First time he gets up, what's he teaching the guys, the young guys about? Pride. And all the old guys are going, this is killing me. I should know better. I really should know better. It was a great class, and it was obvious at certain times that he had that finesse and talent that only comes from over 25 years of teaching before people. Um, you know, somebody would ask him a question, he just he wouldn't bat an eye. He goes, so what do you think it says? What, what do you think that means? <laughs> just toss it right back. That's my attorney wife that's in fact. That's it. That works. <laughs> Stay with her. That's good. That's good. All right. Any other uh, things? Uh, of course, if you missed the prayer service, shame on you. You missed out on some great fellowship time and on an opportunity to see uh, Lieutenant Jeremiah Spurlock with his brand new bride, Caitlin, uh, as they were called up to the Torah to read not only the Haftarah, the Maftir, the Haftarah, and then the Apostolic Writings. It was a wonderful thing, and big Mazel Tov out to them. Am I forgetting anything else that needs to be said? Any announcements? Not, not one. Just check. Just check. Okay. Um, by way of reminder, um, Alex is looking to move up from Texas. So uh, you want to? He's 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 very specialized. So um, if you don't have a copy of his resume that you could pass on to folks that you know, that whole networking thing, you need to get with Greg Upham. All right, we are in Numbers, chapter 8 and verse 1. How many of you that did not make it to the... Uh, ah, I remember now. On the second Sunday of June. What date is the second Sunday of June? The ninth. It is the ninth of June. On the ninth of June, the second Sunday in June, we will be helping this fine couple move closer so that they don't have to drive two oh, yeah. and a half hours to be here. 
as you know, in the Jewish community, the highest mitzvah is if you attend someone's funeral. In our community, the highest mitzvah is if you help them move closer. That's right. So you want to you want to try and uh, help us out? We'll be emailing stuff out to you guys so you know where to go and when. Uh, I think we're only going to have to unload the truck. <laughs> How cool is that? So if anybody would like to take up a collection to pay some other guys to unload the truck, we can just sit around with Roger. Yeah. Okay. That's right. And let them load, unload the truck. That's right. So here we go. Huntersville. Huntersville. Yes, indeed. Okay. So, uh, for those of you who were not here for the uh, for the Torah service, who did not have an opportunity to read the portion? Let's do it another way. How many of you read the portion before you got here? Almost unanimous. Okay, good, 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 good. So we open up with uh, with a description that my Bible consistently calls a lamp stand. If I take the bulb out of that thing and take the lamp shade off, what do I have? A lamp stand. Does it look anything like what's described here? No. No. What is the Hebrew word for lamp stand? It is menorah or menorah. That's good. That's very good. Okay. So, from verse 1 down to um, 22. First 22 verses of the chapter. Your comments... I've got one. Yes, sir. Um, what's interesting is in, in last week's portion, um, we have the dedication of the altar and the tabernacle, uh, culminating with the, the heads of the tribes bringing their their gifts and so forth. But you have, the, you have the dedication of the altar and then the tabernacle and everything. Um, and then this week's portion continues and goes right into the menorah and the kindling of the menorah. So the juxtaposition of the order here, I think, is interesting because there's kind of an allusion here to Hanukkah. Right? Because we have a dedication. Hanukkah means dedication. We have a dedication of the altar and tabernacle, right? Um, followed by the the, you know, the the kindling of the menorah, which harkens to, in this case, yet a future time where we would be rededicating. Struggling because we couldn't keep that menorah lit because we weren't in there anymore, right? But we would be uh, we would be going through a process to rededicate the altar and the temple, and and trying to just said trying to rekindle the menorah exactly right. And we have the miracle of the oil in the eight days and all that. So it, there's just some interesting interesting pictures. There. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for those of you new to this walk, um, did Yeshua? keep 
Hanukkah. Yes. 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 You sure? Yes. How do you know? It says in the Bible. That's good. I like that. Turn your attention, if you would. Thank you, Greg. Turn your attention to verse 13. I'm going to read it in the English Standard Version. I'd like to know if you have something decidedly different. I have, and you shall set the Levites before Aaron and his sons. Everybody pretty much have the same kind of thing? You have stand. Stand is better because the word for set is, in fact, amad, and that's where we get amidah, the standing prayer. Same word. One other thing to bring to your attention in verse 9. I got you, gentlemen. In verse 9, you got matching keepers. You too? Uh, That's cool. That's good. That's good. Okay. In verse 9, you shall bring the Levites before the tent of meeting and assemble the whole congregation of the people of Israel. People is really poorly translated. It's children of Israel. But I did want to bring to your attention that the word assemble, assemble, is the same word, midah, along with one or two others that has been mistranslated as the word church in your Bibles, in the apostolic scriptures. If there, was, if there was a consistency between the way the Old Testament and the New Testament were translated into English, you would see words like assembly, congregation, community, and so forth. You would not see ever the word church, ever. Because it's extraordinarily inconsistent to take these words that the Greek copy, the Septuagint of the Old Testament, did not use church. It used these same words. So it should be assembly or community or congregation. Yes, sir? Can you go back to the stand? Yeah. Just a minute ago. What was the word? Ahmad. And and the standing prayer is called the Amidah. Right. Same root. Is that the same word that was used for what the Archangel Michael will do? Daniel chapter 12, times, first Remember when we were three, studying through and it was the difference between stand will he back. sit or will he Yeah. Can somebody aside? flip uh, in your uh, electronic things here to uh, Daniel chapter 12? If you move too slow, I'll have to do it myself. Let's go, let's go. Quick, 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 quick. It's a good question. Yeah, because it was... We've heard it translated as desist, stand back, stand still. It is a mod. So stand, set, be still. <laughs> cool. It's good. And a good memory. Too. I, I, I don't know what we just said. Um, Daniel chapter 12. Uh, some of us that have studied the end times believe that the angel, or actually the archangel, Michael, um, who stands guard according to. Uh, the book of Daniel, over the children of Israel and the nation of Israel, is told to stand aside and just set back and let things happen, as if the protection has been removed from Israel. And of course, uh, this ties in with some of the prophets talking about the time of Daniel's, uh, uh, the time of Jacob's trouble, uh, which then is tied into the three and a half uh, year period uh, in the first half or second half, if you will of that seven-year period that was previously discussed in Daniel chapter 9. But, of course, we're getting way ahead of ourselves on our prophecy class, which will be in 2096. <laughs> the point is that the same word, Ahmad, here in uh, 
Numbers chapter 8 is the same word Ahmad in Daniel chapter 12 that I got that. the what angels told us to uh, the point was that he wanted to know if it was the same word, and the answer was yes. I got that. There was a there was a difference. Uh, is it correct that uh, it says that the world will rise? There was yeah. a difference between whether or not he was exactly. the action he was going to take was to be to sit down versus stepping aside. Yeah, there was the, the the author of the book that we were studying through yeah. made a great distinction about what the action actually was. And, and what and the, Michael would be doing. Right. Would he be involved right. or would or, he be hmm. stepping back? So, but again, um, I'm hoping that the Lord is going to fill in for me on that prophecy <laughs> class. So that's my prayer. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens there. Was there an answer to that? I didn't understand. Yeah, evidently. The word the word's used twice in that sense. Yeah, it's for yeah. stand and arise. Yeah. Stand and arise and in charge of Okay, so he is an active part then of what he was going to be doing. Uh, well, I think in Daniel 12, I would argue that he is going to stand back and allow okay. Israel to be... Okay, thank you. Um, Although the word, who has charge of your people, that's Ahmad again. Yeah, who stands for your people or stands with your people, that kind of thing. Do that. All right, age order, Joshua. How did, you, how did the Levites have their... How did they get waved? Mm-hmm. I was hoping somebody would ask that. Somebody asks that every year, yeah, and it must. And if they don't, I have to do it. So we went through this probably when you were smaller, probably his age. Um, so I had somebody come up, and we did a thing around the waist, you know, we did a little sumo wrestling. Ha! Oh, Next. The other thing was um, more, more like the... Uh, Careful. You know, at, at the uh, Kansas, Kansas Jayhawks. <laughs> the Kansas Jayhawks. I was thinking charismatic. <laughs> okay, could be charismatic too. You heard it here first, folks. The Levites were charismatic. They were doing the wave, like at the, at the thing, yeah. So I can tell you that the sages have a blast. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they just play around with this big time. Um, but it's a great question. And when you figure that one out, you let me know. Micah, what did you have? Joshua said it said wave. Yes. But this, but our Bible says present. Okay. I like your version better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that is what you that is what you did with the grain offering, right? You had the you had the stalks of grain. And they had been bound up, a little ribbon around the first fruits, right? And you would bring that in, and you would wave it before the Lord. And in so doing, you're presenting it to Him. So the word present or to wave is actually the adjective that you're doing versus the adjective that, or the verb that you're doing. So same thing. It's a it's a grammatical thing. Actually, I think he has present. He says present too. Mm-hmm. Present them and then wave them. I heard them. Well, wave. Yeah. He's talking about the Bible that you were reading from. <laughs> is that the uh, insufficient the Bible? Bible? <laughs> 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 this is the Korean New American Standard. It really is Korean on the left side. I'll put the name of his Torah. Yeah, yeah, but that's good though. He's reading probably the same one I am. So can you can you read us that verse in Korean or or, or a little early for that? Okay. Oh, no, really. All right. When that happens, you're standing up and doing this. Okay. Anything else in those? Yes, sir. 
I thought it was kind of cool that the word, it says, take the Levites from the children of Israel. Um, and the word take there is tach. This is verse 6, by the way. Um, yeah, and, it, and it's the same word that's used when it, in, in talking about taking a wife. No, oh, um, not that you would know much about that. Right. Seven months now? Yeah, yeah exactly. Seven months about today. Not, not that your father is counting. No. Uh, but they, uh, <laughs> the thing about this is kind of cool is this the idea, I think about the sanctification of sitting apart because um, Juliana is my wife and she is set apart for me. Amen. And so in the same sense here, like when God says take the Levites, there is that sanctification, that setting apart. They're going to be specifically for God, as it were. And they have a specific task and tool. And in fact, there's a lot of different things in tradition that sort of mirror this with marriage. I mean, like, for example, the, the bride goes to the mikvah before she gets married. The, the guy does too, actually. It's like sure. the setting apart for each other. Yeah. Um, but not, not only that, but I think that we should remember that uh, even Paul uses this metaphor and analogy in the apostolic writings, as he says that uh, men will wash their wives with the word of God in this purification uh, or cleansing in verse seven is uh, is just that the word tahor to purify, you know. So big stuff here. There's a, a, a great parallel between the Levites set apart for God and the wife set apart to her husband. Good, excellent. Other comments? We move on. Twenty three. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This applies to the Leviim from 25 years old and upward. They shall come to do duty in the service of the tent of meeting. The word for meeting, by way of reminder, moed, moad, moed, is the same as the festivals. These are appointed times of meeting with God. He has for all eternity written in his daytimer that he's got these appointments with his people. How sad if he shows and we don't. And from the age of 50 years, they shall withdraw from the duty of the service and serve no more. They minister to their brothers in the tent of meeting by keeping guard but they shall do no service. Thus shall you do to the Leviim in assigning their duties. The word for guard or watch, mishmerit, is an obligation or a duty um, to keep. To keep guard is uh, shamar, as we keep or guard his commandments. So how do you foresee the 50-year-old and up Levites acting. It's obvious they're not staying home, eating bonbons with their feet up, <laughs> laying under the fig tree, you know, getting soused or anything like that. What are they doing? They're in the tent of meeting and they're working, but their work has changed. What are they doing? Uh, they're helping the men actually doing the service to do it correctly. Mentoring. 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 I like that very much. I think that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. The, and the, the word shamar often is translated guard, but it probably means something more like treasure. Mm -hmm. So if they're if treasure they're or keep making sure that the young men are doing it correctly. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, no, no. Hold your left hand higher. Nope. Turn a little bit towards the right. You always want to face this way. Back out now. 
mean, that kind of deal. Good. You know, and, and I think it's, it's really kind of sad, you know, especially for us just coming from the church not too long ago, that um, <clears throat> it's almost like this, we'll call them the seniors or the elders. Or the, yeah. they, they almost say, hey, I've done my time. Yes. I'm done. <clears throat> and, you know, we've always had, or we always talked about that all the time. It's like, why, why would they not step forward mm. and share with the younger generation, yeah. you know, marriage, yeah. uh, financial. As we're trying to do here. Exactly right. Well, I, can, I, can, exactly. I know the answer to that, Jerry. I think everybody else here does as you do. They're shunned by the younger. The culture, the people, even the pastors make it clear you're, 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 you can, you can barely, yeah, you can barely stand. I mean, gee whiz, what, what do we, what do we need you for? And yet, we're trying to do just the opposite here. I can't tell you how thrilled I am that Roger and Juicy are actually moving closer. I'm thrilled because we have a gem, we have a star, and you know what? He's brand new to this. Doesn't matter. He's got incredible wisdom, and you've heard him speak here. Mm-hmm. Now he's all embarrassed, so I won't look at him. I think that if, if there's anything we can do, we can, we can change that, that whole ship and turn it around. And it's not easy, but I think everybody in this room, especially the younger people, are, are, are recognizing the wisdom that comes through serving God for so much time, you then you're dead. Um, I think, too, here... The uh, the fact that they have people at 25 starting this work, yes, and then from like 30 to 50 is like the prime of their work. This is also pretty cool because I think that oftentimes in today's society, people try to extend their childhood as long as possible, and it's like, oh, you're only 25, you don't need any responsibility. I mean, you know, basically you 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 go you do your job, you play video games, and that is your life. And so now it's like this is emphasizing that these men are important for doing the work. The older men who are who are fifty and up, they're the mentors. Got the you. younger men are responsible for acting, and I think that's really kind of a cool concept because I mean we've talked a little bit about how like young people we have a lot of energy and zeal and passion. Oftentimes that gets us in trouble. That's why we need the old guys. But at the same time, did he point at me when he said yeah. <laughs> <laughs> older? Over I think it's the, the He was deferring. The he was deferring to me, is right? He's telling you that that's a bad thing. It's not but it was a good thing. It's a good thing. God bless you, and thank you so much. That's my son-in-law, by the way. Proud of him. But then, but then at the same time, we have to act as young people. Absolutely. We can't sit back and go, well, I'm, I'm not really established yet. They've got more money and a little more, you know, they know what they're doing, so I'm just going to sit back over here. I can tell you that I know a lot of parents my age who have their 29, 30-year-old sloth moving back in with them. It's a tough deal. It's a really tough deal. Yes, sir. Well, I mean, I've told this story. Some people have already heard this, but uh, along the lines that you're talking about with young men and older men, uh, at Isaac's wedding, there were probably about 10 or maybe a few more young men yes. in, you know, secluded aside with Isaac and you know, basically having a good time talking, chatting, whatever else. When Alan's father walked into the room, everybody stopped. Every one of these young men stood up and walked on up to him, one at a time, in a row, to shake his hand. It was really a remarkable thing to see. Totally, totally unrehearsed. Totally unrehearsed. It was, it was as if the star showed up. Amen. It really was amazing. You're right. And thank you for that. That's uh, uh, a, a great reminder. It's a cultural thing, too. Anybody that's worked or been to Asia or the Orient, things are entirely different. Yeah. It's 180 degrees from there. Yeah. They respect the older people, and they take care of their parents. Yeah. 
we should, here we don't do that. We need to change. Yeah. We need to change it, Roger. We need to tell them. So, uh, third Tuesday night of June, you're on the teaching block. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes, ma'am. When I was reading this week, I wondered if that's Yeshua started at thirty. Is that correct? Yes. He did start his ministry at thirty. Yes, uh-huh. he certainly did not start working then. Right, his ministry. Right, but he started that's his priest, ministry. The priesthood started at age thirty. Yeah. Okay. So you you can make some great parallels there because Yeshua is our high priest, right? He is our intercessor right? in a different tabernacle. If we get him confused, things are messed up, right? Those sacrifices that we prayed about this morning, and I think in the Birkat, we prayed that the sacrifices would start up again. Those sacrifices have nothing to do with the sacrifice that Yeshua made for us. If the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin, he did not have to die. They cannot take away sin. Go read the book of Hebrews. I'm just going to say, my understanding is that they they were in training from the age of 25 to 30. Yeah, they didn't. The noobs. The noobs. You know, they basically accept the article. You know, what what beautiful, what a beautiful picture if you've got the 25 to 30 year olds learning from the 50 to 70 year olds, right? I mean, they just come in and they, you know, I need a, I need a guy. I got you, son. Come this way. And you know the neat part? They're all family. Yeah. You ever see Uncle Mordecai? <laughs> no, not Uncle Mordecai. <laughs> yes. Anybody else? All right. Okay. This is such a um, a beautiful passage now in Numbers chapter nine. The Lord spoke to Moshe in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year. What month is it? Nisan. After they had come out of the land of Egypt, Mitzrayim, saying, Let the people of Israel keep the Pesach at its appointed time. On the fourteenth day of this month, at twilight, you shall keep it at its appointed time. According to all its statutes, its rules, you shall keep it. So, We want to quickly, I think most of you already know this. I just want to make sure everyone does. Um, So we we move into uh, future uh, history. That is, we move from this point where they're in the wilderness in our timeline. If we begin at creation in this corner, a thousand years later, we have Noah. Five, six hundred years later, unfortunately, we get a big flood. Tower of Battle. In this corner, we have Abraham, Avinu, Abraham. Our Father. We have the children of Israel, we have the bondage, and we have our time at Mount Sinai and the giving of the Ten Commandments here, or the Ten Words. And then we have the book of Joshua and Judges and Ruth. And we end up at this corner. 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. That Zadik, a righteous man, in this corner is King David. And then we have the split kingdom, Solomon. Oh my goodness, we're not keeping the Torah. We don't let the land rest. And all of the prophets of the Bible, all of them, every prophet is from that corner to the middle of the wall. All of them are right there in a 500-year period. And they're all saying the same thing. What's the one word? Repent. What was the the ministry of Yeshua? What was his? Repent. 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 Gee, it sounds familiar. 
Okay, so we have the split of the kingdom, then we're, we have the exile, or the galut, right? Galut. Um, we're, we're a bavli. We're sent out of the land until we do what? Until we repent and begin to keep his commandments. We follow the Torah. We keep his commandments. We keep his commandments even in the exile, and he would allow us to come back in. So we come back, and we rebuild second temple because the temple had been restored and we have um, the pairs of uh, men ruling and um, the Greeks Alexander conquering the world and we get to the time of Yeshua so um, we are reading here in the wilderness so we're way back over here but they kept the Passover they kept the Passover religiously even to the time of Yeshua. So, Yeshua was sacrificed on our behalf on Passover. So we have timing markers in the scripture, and that timing marker would be the next festival is Shavuot. You can never miss it because we're commanded to count down or count up 50 days. So 49 days in the very next day is Shavuot, or what we call Pentecost. So we have a 50-day window. So now we have a problem. We have these two guys uh, in the uh, wilderness time, certain men, verse 6, who were unclean through touching a dead body so that they could not keep the Passover on that day, and they came before Moshe and Aharon on that day. These men said to him, we are unclean through touching a dead body, which I said earlier was the greatest mitzvah, that you would bury your friend. Why are we kept from bringing the Lord's offering at its appointed time among the people of Israel, among the children of Israel? So we see first that they want to keep the Passover. That's pretty neat. Should that not be our same mindset? But they couldn't because they were unclean. They could not draw near. So Moses says to them, wait. Is that what yours says? Wait? Stay ye. It is. Stay ye? Stay ye. Thank you. Stay ye. Okay. Stay ye. It is, in fact, a mod again. Yes, it is. Stand fast. Just like Charlton Hesse did. Stand fast and see that. Yeah. Okay. So, wait. I may hear what the Lord has command, will command concerning you. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, if any one of you or your descendants... You or your descendants is unclean through touching a dead body or is on a long journey. He shall still keep the Passover in the second month. Not the first month, but the second month on the 14th day. So you just wait 30 days. So we all know the story. We've got the 50 days between Passover and Shavuot or Pentecost. And sure enough, we do have two men just like here who became unclean by touching a dead body as they buried their friend. Those two men are... Nicodemus, Nicodemus Joseph. and Joseph of Arimathea. Great name, don't you think? He does. And their friend's name was Yeshua, the King of Kings. And they buried him and became unclean and could not have Passover. Up until this point, Mrs. Nicodemus, I'm sure, was preparing the Seder and getting everything ready. As was Mrs. of Arimathea. That's right. Now, I find it interesting... As a head of household, would you say, when you got home, sweetie, put it all away, 
we have to wait 30 days. Or would you just kind of sit in the corner and watch them live it up and have a great time? I think my family would choose to wait. And I tend to think that these two men, who, by the way, are both mentioned in the Talmud, and Nicodemus is like top shelf, saved Israel, unbelievably, extraordinarily, obscenely wealthy in a good way, and used it properly for the people of Israel. So what happens 30 days later? Passover time at the Arimathea household. Passover time at the Nixter's place. The Ben-Gurians. The Ben-Gurians. There you go. How long after the master rose did he walk around on the planet? 40 days. When did they have Passover? 30 days after he died. So he was around for 10 more days after their Passover. So it's very likely. I mean, can you see that? The door's already ajar because we're waiting for Elijah to show up, right? We've got a place set out for him. Rap, rap, rap. I wonder who that could be. Well, maybe it's Elijah, Daddy. No? Actually, it's the Lord. How cool is this? Please come in. Look, we've got a place for you. You, you can use Elijah's because I know he won't need it right now. Because, you know, probably didn't stay for dessert. I've got to go over to Nick's house. Thanks for having me, Jack. I, I just think that's the coolest story, and here it is right out of the Scripture. And I think prepared, as we see the Master on the pages of Numbers, prepared for us to understand that even those who buried him would be cared for by our loving Father. All right. Joseph, can I ask a stupid question? Yes, ma'am. How many stupid questions do you have? <laughs> only one? Questions. Yes. One for right now. Yes. They're in the desert. They are. Is the only food they have manna? As far as I know, whatever they're carrying is pretty much yard. Do they have matzah? Yeah, well, not yet. No, they're not having Passover in the wilderness. They're having, they're in here. They can make, but they can make matzah out of manna, I would think. So that's why I'm just wondering, what does this Passover look like? They're out in the desert, they only have manna. They should have everything they needed for the Passover because they certainly had to sacrifice the land, right? Um, and and all of that stuff is is tradition has become tradition. All the extra pieces, yes. In the wilderness, I mean, the only things that are commanded are the lamb. And the the, yeah, herbs. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, these are herbs that's keep. So yeah, so so there you go. Um, <laughs> but you know they've got banana bread, <laughs> mana bagels, you know, matzah yeah. pizza, matzah pizza, matzanya. Did they continue to celebrate the Passover each year throughout yes, the desert? Absolutely. Because in number, I mean, in Joshua, it talks about circumcising the new generation yeah. and having the Passover in Canaan. So, I yeah. heard somewhere Tra- tradition, that, Traditionally, yeah. they did not keep the Passover during the three years. After, the, after 39. the spies. Yeah. I mean, you, you can. And that kind of made me wonder, you know, when you said circumcise the new generations, that you know what's right. And that's right. And that's one of the reasons why traditionally they, it's understood they did not keep it. The commandment was when you get to the land, keep the Passover. And so. That's, so they say, well, they weren't in the land, so that's why they didn't keep it. Yeah. Um, you can go either way, and the sages argue it, you know, that they did keep it, but then you got to wonder, well, wait a minute, how did they draw near if they didn't get circumcised? Right. Well, they were already circumcised. So they've got 40 years. Everybody's circumcised Their except children. the next generation, only the kids. Yeah. So, but, but good question. I think it's interesting that the two passages that come to mind in the Torah um, about 
where someone asks a question and God gives a new command, which is always kind of cool. It's like, uh, what about this? And God decides, okay, here's, here's how you should handle this it. This one, obviously, through Moses. Yeah, but the, Great yes. question. Zalepha. I'm going to go ask. Stand by. Stand right here. Right. The daughters of Zalepha had of the other ones. They come and they go, wait, wait, wait. We, we want part of the land, too, but our dad didn't have any sons, and so now what do we do? And it's really kind of cool because in both cases, with this, um, with both the, the men with Passover and with the daughters of Lethahad, it is a, um, a zeal for the things of God. They want to keep like this Like the daughters of Lethahad want the land that God promised them. These men want to do the things that God told them to do. Amen. It's not asking, you know, I need the big, rich, shiny sports car, God. Where's that? You know, it's, it's I want to do what it's you want me of, to do. It's the things of God. And so they get like a special speaking, if you will, from God yeah. through Moses yeah. to them about this particular issue. Yeah, pretty I think cool. it is cool. I think that's really cool, too. I mean, can you imagine just these two guys? You know, going up to the supreme leader. You know, it's. A, I mean, I mean, how many of us go up to our VP of, of our company and yeah. hey, hey, by the way, look, hang on a second here. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, where's my company car? Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, thought, I do. I think it's pretty cool. These two it is cool. guys. But but, I, but let's remember the the neat part that we can't comprehend. The neat part that we don't get is they're all family. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's cousin Moses. <laughs> In, it's you know it may be every 70 80 times removed but I mean this guy's you know he really is family it's the children of Israel but you're right there still was obviously a pecking order and we're going to see in a little bit here he's going to choose 70 guys who he knows are elders so the children of Zelophe had the daughters of Zelophe went past the elders straight to Moses and or or maybe they just sent it up the channel, but these two guys came right up to Moses, which I think goes back to what we're going to see in another couple of uh, verses. That this guy was just amazingly humble and didn't put himself on the pedestal, even though the people tried to do so at times. Yes, Jenna. You made that point. Bam! Nice. I love it when we think together. By the way, just to put put myself on record, I do think that they kept Passover during the time that they were in the wilderness. I just think that they neglected to be proper parents. I think the fathers blew it and didn't teach their children properly. They didn't circumcise them. They didn't do it right. They didn't follow his commands. And that generation died in their wilderness. So, but, but I think this verse right here, you've seen the fire, you've seen the chariots, you've seen the people drown, you've seen all that stuff. They've only been there a month and a year, a year and a month, 11 to 13 months. Make sure you keep the Passover at, at its appointed time. I just think they would. Of course, it was pretty dismal when the 12 spies got back, and two out of 12, did you have some? Two out of 12 came back with a good report. Let's not focus on the 10. That was bad news. <laughs> so, um, in relation to that, the commentary says here that. Uh, this is the inspired commentary? Whatever. Art scroll. No, it's So, it was making the case that. It was dangerous to circumcise the babies in the desert. Yeah, got to watch that. Yeah, right. and so, the nomadic people they were. Yeah, mm. so they, but if you if you were a parent of an uncircumcised child, you just didn't do it because it was considered not a good thing because your child wasn't circumcised. So why would you offer the Pesach offer? Give give them a buy. Yeah, there you go. Well, if the baby's jaundice, you're not supposed to circumcise for another thirty days. That's true. I know someone that this happened to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Okay, so we've got stuff about Passover since we just had that actually in our lives. I think we're pretty good on that. Um, Numbers chapter 9 and verse 15. The tabernacle is set up. And uh, we've got the whole idea of the cloud coming down. At night it's a pillar of fire. So, how many of you think that they pretty much walked around a while, 10 o'clock comes down, they set up shop again, two, three days, cloud leaves, they follow the cloud, two, three days, week at a time, bam, stop here, another week, stop here, another week, stop here. No? How often did they move? Ten times in 40 years. How long had they been sitting still this time? For over a year. It's been 11, 12 months. I mean, uh, 12 or 13 months. And now, cloud lifts up, and it's like, okay, let's make sure we understand how to do this. When the cloud goes up, it's going to start to take off. So you guys come in, do your deal, cover everything up. These guys will schlep it. They get there, put it down. You come in and cover it wherever the cloud goes down. Questions on the movement and the camp set up and takedown? Yes, ma'am. I'm not a question, but I was just thinking that um, later in the portion, when God is out there with uh, Moses and Aaron and Miriam, I'm pretty sure it says um, he the cloud departed from atop the tent, it says. And I think that must have been confusing to Levi. It's like, ah, it's moving. <laughs> and Are we moving? It's like, well, we can't move yet. We're still in there. Yeah. And mm, that's good. Cloud, that's good, yeah. Because yeah. God continues to talk to him. So yeah, it's like, I yeah. came back down and like, I guess we're not. Yeah, I, I get the impression it was more of, well, let's hold till we get there, because I think Mary knows That's how it happened. She's got an insight. Yes, sir. Stand behind me. Verse 14. Verse 14. 914. Yes. It says, where the stranger that sojourns among you will we'll keep it also. I, You know, I skipped that. I beg your pardon. You bet. You shall have one statute, both for the sojourner and for the native. Mine says convert. Well, of course it does. It's art scroll. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a great translation, except in rare occasions, and one of them is that word. It's the same word, and they're very consistent. They always call it a convert. Proselyte would actually be a correct word, except yes. that it's been misinterpreted in English. Well, pro- proselyte would be fine unless people take the... From then on, mistranslate. And, and take the translation from the time of Yeshua back to the time in the wilderness. Because all a proselyte means, the word proselyte means one who draws near. Mm-hmm. It's all it means. But don't discount scroll because mine's art scroll and says proselyte. Mine says proselyte later too. Yeah. Um. So there. <laughs> Those words are interchangeable in art scroll. Oh, but I said in rare occasions, <laughs> you know, like for this word, they're going to put that. Not every time. Okay. <laughs> I tell you, it's a tough crowd. The, the phrase is. It is my dog. The phrase is. Don't. Gear, you heard it. Don't or, diss the. Uh, it's gear or gear push on. Right, right. Mr. Gordon. Yes, I beg your pardon. It's tough standing behind me, isn't it? How about sitting behind me? Now, all throughout uh, the Torah, it talks about the stranger that sojourns among you, and there's one law for you and for them. Now, it says that even uh, as they, when they come out of Egypt, there was the stranger 
that uh, were among you that came out. There was a mixed multitude. It was a mixed multitude, yes. right? That's the yes. And then uh, when the Torah was given yes. on Mount Sinai, yes. there was a mixed multitude. Absolutely. Now, they they but they weren't Jews. Correct. Now, if a Jew is a person who's who's well, Jewish, uh, Jewish or sorry. Hebrew, so Jewish would be more of a religion. Hebrew would be a nationality or a race. So, so they're they, not all Hebrew, right? But they so, all seem to be practicing Judaism, right? But they were commanded. I mean, that the Torah was given to them. Yes. They're the people that had joined themselves to the God of Israel, like, like Ruth. us, like, like Ruth, me, most of like us. Ruth, like us. Yeah, we joined ourselves to the God of Israel because there is no salvation apart from the Jew. Our Savior is a Jew. Our Savior kept the same commandments, encouraged his followers to do the same. They never said that he was teaching people not to keep the Torah. We know his detractors said that he broke the Sabbath, but he hadn't broken the Sabbath. He had lifted life up higher than the Shabbat, which the sages do all the time. I'm with you. It seems confusing that a large well, uh, part of our faith just would so choose cool. not it, to, uh, to keep it, even know, though we all got it. It talks about us here. It does. You bet. Well, well, I, I think part of the confusion is we change and use the verse, the word church in the apostolic writings. But here it's just them. It's the group. It's the community. It's the congregation. It's the assembly. But it's the same word. I, I can't justify it any more than that. Yes, sir. If you follow this phrase, ger toshav or ger, or gerim, all throughout the Torah, you'll find that it's in particular location to every one of the sign commandments or the moed that are given to Israel, the children of Israel, this group is also included, always. So even when we get to the next portion... I think you need to explain sign commandments. What do you mean by well, sign, sign commandments? like Shabbat. It's a sign. You know, Shabbat stands by itself mm-hmm. as a as a remarkable identifier of a people. Yes. Right, exactly. Right? In the same, and this, this Pesach, Passover, is a sign commandment. It is a commandment to keep that identifies a people that is, you know, that is unique. There's no other people on the planet that keep Passover except the Jewish people. Right. Next portion is Zitzit. It's mm-hmm. a sign commandment. It says it will be a sign to you. So it's a sign commandment, so, you, so you'll keep the commandments. In the same proximity to the sign commandment given to the children of Israel, it says, and the Ger Toshav will keep one law for both the native-born and the Ger. Well, and, 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 I'm, and I'm hearing this is like, oh, well, and as we observed Shabbat on the seventh day, we are set apart and looked on as strange. Well, we're looked on as Jews, <laughs> even if we're really? not. Really? I mean, and, and ostracized by family and friends and people that we know. And so it's like, it helps me think of it more of an honor to observe the sign and to say. Well, just like the, just like the guys and, that are here to want, the to, grunt, they want to keep the Passover. How come we don't get to keep the Passover? Just because we touched the dead body. They want to do it. You want to do it. I want to do it. But at times, it's difficult. You bet. 
to bear that, but seeing what you just shared helps me to bear the ostracization or whatever. And, and that's, you did bear it and that's good, but you need to know historically there was a large group that didn't. And when, and when, the, and when the, the various persecutions came because believers looked Jewish, they just, they they convinced everybody. No, no, no. We're not really Jewish. You know. Yeah, yeah. We we know Jewish people, but we're not really Jewish. Oh, and we don't even meet on Sunday, Saturday anymore. It's like you know, we meet on the first day of the week. We're not Jewish. You know, we we eat pork. You know, we uh, we don't keep Passover. All those things. They they convinced their the really the government that they weren't Jewish because they didn't want to be taxed as Jews. Yes. It's all about where, money. Where was that? When, what it's called it was about in the year from about the year eighty of the Common Era on, Fiscus Judaicus, which is the tax for Jews. Yes, Jews alone, no one else. The Jews were identified and it, and it identifies the Fiscus Judaicus identifies what a Jewish person is like. They don't eat certain things. They they, they don't work keep, on Shabbat. They, they, they don't work on the seventh day of the week. And those things were the identifiers. It didn't matter if you said, hey, my parents aren't Jewish. They'd say, I'm sorry, you do all these things, you're Jewish. Yeah. You take two magnets, Still try to put the, the light poles together. Opposites attract, but the light poles don't, right? In that same way, they're pushing away from one another. That's what happened in the time frame we're talking about. From 80 till about 135. Um, actually, almost until 200. Um, the the Jews were pushing the Gentiles away going we don't like the fact that you're in here with us just don't like it at all so go worship someplace else we see that Paul the Gentiles said that to the Jews no the Jews said it to the Gentiles they pushed them out of the synagogues and that's why Paul would argue with them that Yeshua was the, the Savior and then at the end of Shabbat, at Havdalah, he would go to somebody's house and meet with all the Gentiles who were no longer allowed to be in the synagogue with the Jews. So the Jews are pushing the Gentiles away. At the same time, the Gentiles are going, no, no, I'm not Jewish. I don't want to pay that tax. It was an enormous tax. Enormous. Like 90% of your income. It was enormous. And the was Gentiles... Was that just in Rome or was that everywhere? Uh, it was everywhere in, in any of Roman colonies, right? Rome and all, and all all of the roads led to Rome. I mean, it was it was everywhere. So you've got the Jews pushing the Gentiles out, and you've got the Gentiles pushing the Jews away. So they're pushing away from each other. And what do we end up with? We end up with Orthodox Judaism that can't stand to talk about Messiah Yeshua, and you've got Christians in the church that don't want to have anything to do with Jews and call them Christ killers. And here we are. Right here in River City. Yes, no, we're, ma'am. we're in the middle. We're not there. We are in the middle. It's, we are in no man's land. That's for sure. And why do, why do they want to keep Passover? Why do you want to keep Passover? Why do you? See, I did that. Yes. <laughs> you can't be taught. <laughs> why do you, Gloria? He said you want to, too. Why do you? Why do I want to? Because Scripture teaches it to. That's wanna, the only reason I, I would ever do anything. God. I want to please God. Yeah. And he's told me how I can please him by being obedient. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. My children are obedient to me to demonstrate their love to me. How can I do any less for my father? When he said that, was he referring to the Tanakh or the Torah? Since there was no other copy of the scriptures on the planet anywhere, I think so. There was no such thing as the apostolic scriptures. The New Testament had not been written. The New Testament wasn't even written until after he passed away and was raised from the dead. 
So he could not have been referencing anything but the Torah, the Tanakh. Is the there a the reference somewhere that, uh, I don't know why I think, that we draw near, he tabernacles among us, I'm thinking of. John, um, John chapter 1? Yes, that as we carry these things out, we're drawing nearer to him. Is that true to say? Well, no question. In, in, in fact, even in this portion, we see this drawing near and bringing the sacrifices, having Pesach, Ephesians Passover. Two. Ephesians 2 is, you know, uh, is, a, is the biggie in, in the apostolic scriptures, of course, right? We were strangers to the covenants, foreigners. We were, we were afar off from the nation of Israel. We could not draw near. Well, that and it's like the, the Hebrew word mitzvah for commandment. This comes from the same word for connection. Exactly. So yeah. you do you connect and draw near to God by keeping mitzvah. There it is. Well, and I remember the word Hebrew, the original. Hebrew. Yeah, it means cross over. Yeah. So, and even Abraham crossed over. That's where that even comes from. So as we adopt what God has said for them to do, for his people. we are crossing over Absolutely. to the other side and rejecting our the traditions <coughs> of our forefathers, you know, set up for us. Well, that's what the prophets say in Zechariah, right? Is it Zechariah or Zechariah? It is Zechariah, right? That says that uh, the Gentiles have inherited lies from their fathers. Jeremiah 16, 19. Jeremiah. 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 There's an honest man. There you go. (laughs) Yes, it's not really hot. Is it really hot? It's burning up. Yeah, yeah. Doing the best I can. Thirty more minutes. Um, we might want to. Do we want to close the? Open the door. Is it cold outside? It's probably cooler than it is in here. Sixteen nineteen. Can you read it for us? Yeah. So Lord, put that behind your seat. Uh, da, 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 da. You know, the English standard version stinks. Hang on a second. Whoa! Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> That's not a good thing to say. <laughs> because it doesn't put the word Gentile in, so we got to put the Jim gen- word Gentile in, right? So, King James Version says, <laughs> O Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction, the Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanities, and things wherein there is no prophet. There you go. There's another one. There's there's another one. Well, and Peter definitely says, <sighs> "You inherited lies and futility." I don't have it in front of me. You mean it's not in Peter? It is in Peter. <laughs> <laughs> it's in it is Jeremiah 16 and no. That's the only one I can think of. Read. Yeah, I know. First um, Peter one eighteen, knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. Who? Peter one nineteen. I just stopped in the middle of the sentence. I did, yes. But. But God, yeah. With the precious, but what? Yes, but with the precious blood. Yes, I got you. I got you. All right. So we move on. That was that was a great uh, little segment. All right. Uh, before you go on, uh, verse fifteen talks about the cloud that covered the tabernacle. Yes, sir. reminded uh, 
this week in preparing for another class, the, uh, the remarkable language Passover. We read, uh, what do we read during the week of Passover? Um, Song of Song, because it's a wedding. And Joshua's comment about the relationship between the yes. Le- Levine, the Levites, and God is the same lang- lang- uh, wedding language. And here we're given the same wedding picture of the of the of the hupa over over the people. Amen. The cloud over the tabernacle. Yep, exactly right. I'm and the mention right. of Passover in that same. If I could share briefly, my family who has totally shunned all of this for years, and I've been in it over 15, 15, 20, that they observe the hupa, you know, and the the ceremony. For those of you who don't know, Isaac, Christine, her son, married my daughter about three weeks ago. May 2nd. May 2nd. But anyway, my father has even said to me three times already, he's 92 and has really had a hard time with all this. He said, that is the most beautiful ceremony I've ever seen. And, and my sister, I mean, my family has come to me and say, oh, was incredible. And I really expected rejection. I really did expect that. But it, it's so, I think because it's symbolism, you know, and it, it gives a deeper depth to, to marriage. It was, just, it was just an awesome experience to hear that from. Amen. Well, your son was a star. Indeed, yeah. yeah. he was. No, no, but that's the but point. It's the true. bridegroom that's the point. is the star, which is so backwards and different from our experience. Yeah. The bridegroom is the most important part of the wedding. It's he a rep- remarkable thing. He represents Messiah. You bet. All right, we move on to chapter 10 so that we can finish sometime while it's still today. So, chapter 10, we learn about the fact that everything you've seen in all the movies and everything that you do at all the festivals is a bunch of hooey. The word is not shofar, it is not a ram's horn, anywhere in any of the times that you think you're supposed to blow the ram's horn. You blow the trumpet. And it truly is a trumpet. B-flat. They bleed. Well, we don't have silver trumpets. We have it's the four minutes trumpet. Chatzot Ra. Summon Jonathan with his silver pipes. Trombone, yeah, that's, come, that's close, yeah. Moshe's trombone. Two silver trumpets, pointed feasts at the beginnings of your months. You shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. How many of you knew that they were going to be blowing trumpets whenever they sacrificed the animals? in the temple. How many of you know that they had, because of the scripture, a representative from every single tribe there every single day to make sure that every tribe could validate? As Rick said earlier, it was done properly. They guarded it. They cherished it. They held it dear. And they made sure that it was done right every day, all day long. Wait, that was from every tribe? No, that was not in the portion, but that's that's what's happening. So, I think that it's uh, was it two? No. Um, I think it's important that we try and like like we 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 recommend that you do is try and smell it, hear it, taste it, try and try and put yourself in the in the picture. So, as you're reading that from now on, 
uh, as you read about this sacrifice or that sacrifice in Leviticus or whatever it may be, or even as we continue in Deuteronomy uh, over the coming months, try and remember. There was joy. There was singing. There were trumpets. There was a lot of blood. So, chapter 10 and verse 11, the second year and the second month, on the 20th day, they've had time to clean up from Passover, but they are now doing what? Before they move, they are counting. They count every day. 20th day of the month, the cloud lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony, and the people of Israel sat out by stages from the wilderness of Sinai. The cloud settled down in the wilderness of Paran. What a great place to build a camp. Wilderness. They set out for the very first time at the command of the Lord by Moshe. The standard of the camp of the people of Judah set out first by their companies, and over their company was Nachshon. And who was it that got the privilege of reading all those words and names? Was that you? Was it you? Yeah. Outstanding job. Always. And then the standard of the camp of the people of Dan acting as the rear guard of all the camps set up by their companies and over their company was uh, that guy. All right. I think that's cool. God, God gave them like what they should do. And the first chance they had to do it, they did perfect. And they set out and they did it. <coughs> and the portion begins with Aaron doing it perfectly. It's, it's like when you're, you're in a, at a military event. Yeah. And all the squadrons and all the flights and all the elements of those flights that perfectly marched in review of the commanding officer. No one passed out. No one passed out. <laughs> we call them squads, platoons, battalions, uh, and brigades. We don't put our hands in our pockets. Okay. <laughs> Three-day journey. How far is that, roughly, according to the military? If you're going to march your people for one day, how far have you gone? With the appropriate water breaks. Uh, 20 miles. 20 miles. That's going to be important to you in a moment. That's only far. Where do you think we get it? 30. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we get 300 miles in a day. Who's going to march? Okay. Ark of the Covenant's out front. The cloud of the Lord was over them by day when it set out from the camp. Okay. Numbers chapter eleven and verse one. Weiner. Oh, we skipped um, the other book. Yeah, we need to. Yeah, oh, we you want to do the book? book? Oh, yeah, go tell the book. Okay, yeah, do the book. Who wants to do it? You want to do it? You want to do it? You mentioned it when you no, stood no, up. Do it, do it. Anybody can do it. Well, okay. So verse thirty-five. Now, for those of you who have never heard about the number of books in the Torah before, being more than five, less than five, whatever it is, pay attention now. Work slow. He's going to talk slow. He's going to talk loud. Lee. <laughs> Okay, so uh, there is a there's this idea that there's actually seven books to the Torah. So we have uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then the Book of Numbers is actually broken into three books, and then we have Deuteronomy. Okay, so why is Numbers broken into three? Because right here in chapter ten. We have verses 35 and 36, which if you have a Hebrew um, art scroll publication or something similar, you'll notice that in the Hebrew, those two verses are actually broken out in the scroll and they're almost in parentheses by two uh, inverse nuns, the Hebrew letter nun. 
And so the question is, why is that? I mean, what's you know? Well, they're not red either. Uh, correct. Yeah, they're not red. The nouns are red. not. They're just, just like, letters. They're just like markers, bookends, basically. Hence brackets. Exactly. So basically, everything uh, from number from Numbers chapter one, verse one, up to Numbers ten thirty four is one book of the Torah. Verse thirty five thirty six is a second is another book of the Torah, and then from verse thirty seven to the end of Numbers is a third book. Okay. The question is. In the two verses, verse 35, when the ark returning, Moses would say, Arise out of the let your foes be scattered, let those who hate you flee from before you. Verse 36, and when it rested, he would say, uh, uh, Reside tranquilly, uh, some translations say, Eternal Lord, uh, among the myriad thousands of Israel. Okay? Uh, does anybody recognize those two verses? We see that. We see that. Every day. Right. Those two verses are recited every day, uh, multiple times a day in the synagogue. Because every time you take the ark out, or take the scroll, the Torah scroll out of the ark, we recite verse 35. Arise, Adonai. Okay? And when we put the Torah scroll back in the ark, we, we recite verse 36. Return, O Lord. Okay? So those two verses are part of the daily prayer services. Um, and what's interesting is there's a there's a there's a remez or or a, a kind of an illusion here, a drosh here that connects Messiah, because of course uh, why do we recite these when we're bringing out the Torah, right? Because the Torah represents the presence of God in, in kind of the modern symbology. And we know that Messiah is the living Torah. So when we take that Torah scroll out, symbolically, we are, you know, it, it's a picture of Messiah, you know. So, but it's interesting the language here, verse 35 is, Arise, O Lord, right? Uh, an allusion there to resurrection. resurrection. And then return, oh God, what are we waiting? What are we hoping for, Messiah? We're hoping that he returns to the myriad thousands of Israel. Amen. And every time we move that scroll in and out of the ark, we're reciting these two verses that are unique in the way they're written in the scroll and are actually a book unto themselves. And it's all about cool. And the letter noon is significant because it is a messianic letter. It symbolizes the sun. That's S-O-N. Right. So there you have it. For those of you who thought there were only five books in the Torah, now you've got up to seven. Wait till the end of the year. We'll have you up to 15 or 20. It's, uh, it's, uh, the word, uh, by the way, is, is kind of odd in the, uh, in the art scroll there, I think. Um, it's not return, right? Reside. Reside. It really is the word return. It's shuv. You know, to return. Um, yeah, well... Return is is the root for doing tshuva or repentance. You know, return and reside here, let's say. There you go. There you go. Good. Outstanding. Okay. Now that we've got that book out of the way, we go on to the next book, 11, verse 1. The Winers. I'm in <laughs> I, am, I am absolutely surprised when I try and picture this in my mind. Can you picture the camp? How would you say the camp is laid out? If you just had to grab a piece of paper or some blocks 
with your children and just kind of lay out the camps with the with the Shekinah, with the, the the glory of the Lord and the tabernacle in the center. How how's it laid out? What do you got basically? U shaped around. U? Circle. Or a circle or a box, right? You know, they're surrounding. Right? Hmm? Three on each side. Three tribes on each side. So boink, 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 boink. Okay. So what happens when they start whining? They're not walking, right? They're parked. And they're whining. What happens? Spreads like wildfire. What does? The whining spreads, but what happened? What did God do? He did what? Before the quail. We're looking specifically in verse 1. The conflagration of fire starts. Now, the, what I don't get is like, a, you know, Hophni and Phineas. Remember? They did the strange fire thing, and fire comes out of the tabernacle and consumes them. Yeah. Adav and Navihu. I'm sorry, wrong guys. Hoppy and Phineas with the other two. Um, they should have been consumed. Those are Eli's sons. <laughs> Those are Eli's sons. And worthless. <laughs> they were called worthless sons by God. <laughs> I'm with you. So, yeah. Um, Not well trained. Nadav. Nadav and Avihu. Right. And the fire comes out. So, I'm. this is specifically different than other fire mentioned in the, in the Word of God. But sometimes it says, fire came down from heaven and did something. Tactical strike. Tactical strike. You've got a pillar of fire. This is different. This appears to be nothing burning. Remember the burning bush? Mm -hmm. There's fire, but the bush is not consumed. Here there's fire, but it doesn't say what's burning, except the people. That's try and picture that on the outskirts. What tribe is affected? All of them. It's on the outskirts. Every tribe is affected by the fire. But there's they're in the wilderness of Paran. What's burning? Not there. It doesn't say their tent started to burn. Fire is there. He is a consuming fire. One. One idea or thought that I had as I read that, they the fire comes because they're whining. Yes. Complaining. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is a form of Lashon Hara. Yes. Speech. Right? Evil speech. And that is contagious. It spreads. Right. We learned about that back in the Leviticus with the with, you know, Zaria and Zeran and all that. That's what. The image I had was uh, um, picture picture this thing spreading through the camp, right? This complaining and murmuring spreading through the camp uh, because that's what it does. So, to me, the image that I got was a forest fire, right? A forest fire spreads can spread rapidly. Yes. And how do you fight forest fires with fire? You you so got to burn out of breeze. It was just kind of an image that I had that it was like. Hmm. You have this, you have the spreading of the complaining and the mur- murmuring, almost like, almost like a fire spreading to the camp. Yeah, it takes fire to to yeah. provide to put that. it. Yeah. yeah, I was, um, I was, I saw it in a completely different way. In in the in the idea that 
the righteous preserve the unrighteous. Right? We know that. Yes. Yep. But the unrighteousness of the people affects the righteous. Because when God will punish, He punishes a nation for the unrighteousness of the people. It would have been, to me, much cooler if Shmuel, in tent number 96, in the camp of Simeon, (laughs) (laughs) what happened to camp number 96? (laughs) Tent number 96 is missing. Nobody whine. Wouldn't that have been cool? That would have stopped. That's fire. We'll stop that. Bam. Whoa. No, I, I'm. I love the man. <laughs> Jelly, man, man, good stuff. I don't want any cucumbers. That's right. Yeah. No, leeks, cucumbers. I don't need any fruit. Oh my goodness. You know, if every now and then just say, you know, <laughs> just all ten would just disappear. It would be unbelievable. But that's not what happened. Ten number ninety-six is whining. And there's fire behind tent number 413. Stop whining! Everybody, even the ones that weren't whining, were affected by the sin in the camp. Because it does spread like wildfire. It's a terrible thing. Hang on one second. Yes, ma'am. Well, I, I, was looking at this. I can't find James in here, but in James it even yeah. says that the tongue is as a fire. James, exactly right. Right. James chapter 3. Yes. You bet. Okay. Yeah. A consuming so fire. And who Next can tame it? If yeah. he can, mm-hmm. tames his whole body. Yes, ma'am. Right. Great. But it says to consume, mine says consume some of the outskirts of the camp. That's but what I'm, I'm saying. I'm kind of wondering, well, who was at the outskirts? I mean, not all Every Every tribe. But Except for the Except that's right. Then, they were, yeah. And then the next thing goes into the rabble. I don't know. Kind of wonder who lived on the outskirts. That's the point. They're all mixed together. It's not like you got the bad people in the back, you know, or the, the good people up close. Closer, you know, There's no indication in the Torah, other than the fact that Moses and Aaron are right here. The Levites are around them and the tabernacle, and then everybody else is just laid out where they're supposed to be. So you get the whole tribe of Dan is right here. The whole tribe of Judah is right here. And the whole, you know, and that kind of thing. Right. That's it. So that's what I'm saying. The the outskirts affects everybody. Mm-hmm. Every tribe would have been affected by the fire. Except for Levi. Except for Levi. Three, six, nine, twelve. They would have been affected. Because all the Levites weren't in the middle. Right. The two half tribes. That would be twelve. Yeah. So then you've got. Uh, okay. We're good. So we got you. We got you. I kind of look at it as motivation. You got millions of people stopped. Okay. Because somebody's complaining. You just don't stop. So I look at it as okay. The father motivated them to get moving again to resolve the problem they have. He smoked some of them. You know. Well, that's exactly what he did. And, and then the others look around like you said a while ago. Look what's going on over there. Yeah. I moved over here. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize we lived in a bad tent neighborhood, but I guess so. <laughs> Those people in the back row over there. But, you know. You but just, I'm not getting the idea that people were burning. Sorry. I think that's the only thing that was burning. What do you think was burning? 
property, maybe. I don't know. But it doesn't say that. I, it says people die. Well, later we see specifically that they die. At that point, it's un, somewhat unclear from the from just from the text. But still, later we see. And later we see with the quail. Doesn't say them the people. Greg, just read what you just said. In my in my translation, it says, "Out of heard." And his wrath flared, and a fire of Adonai burned against them. The people. And it consumed at the edge of the camp. The people cried out to Moshe. Moshe prayed, prayed to Adonai, and the fire died down. And we'll see later on how many people died. We'll see later on how many people died. Yeah. All right, so, so do you think that your obedience affects... The community? Yes. Yeah. Do you think your disobedience affects the community? Yes. Do you think some of you should stand up and apologize for your disobedience? I do. I'm I am sorry. I am part of the cause more than any. Okay. We've got a strong craving, and they want flesh, they want meat. I am absolutely surprised that Moses is willing to take it on the chin. I mean, he must have smelled the burned flesh. He must have known people were dying. And he seems to be pretty upset to the point where he says, look, I I don't get it. You say we're your people, but you tell me that they're my people. You say you're going to lead us, but you want me to be standing in the front. I just can't. I can't do it. Just, just kill me. Just take me out. If, if, I, I, if who could who could possibly give enough meat for all these people? Come on. You want meat? Do the math. How far can you walk? March a troop in a day? Twenty miles. How much quail do we get? Two cubits high. Two cubits high. Let's call that a foot and a half. Two cubits would be. Three feet high. It's a yard, right? So I got three feet deep. Mm. A day's walk that way, 20 miles. A day's walk that way, 20 miles. I got 40 miles of meat a yard deep. (laughs) What are we going to eat? Oh, more quail. Great. And we're at a barbecue sauce. (laughs) We were talking about this last night in the... When our children are little and they cry for food or they don't like this food or that food or whatever else, what do we do as parents? I mean, we understand that they... I think it depends on the parent, quite frankly. Most people do something to first teach the child a lesson, but at the same time, we provide something for the children. Sure. Like the same meal at breakfast. Cold now, because we already heated it once. <laughs> Sorry. But if, if, you, if, you look back the, if you look back the garden, it's the same thing. Okay, so Eve messed up. With food. With food. Second. Eve, me- Eve messed up. What, is, what, was a, what would a parent do to Eve? I'm talking severe spanking, for sure. <laughs> but is that what happened? I think we're living with the spanking right now. No. I mean, we're looking at way more than just punishment. I mean, we're looking at unbelievable banishment. 
I mean, oh, I oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. punishment is so just like goes, doesn't even come goes, near this, to what was this done. This goes to that same idea. It's okay. like Moses is like saying, "I don't get it. I don't see sin the way you see sin." When he's speaking mm. to God, that's what he's saying. I don't get it. You, this must be so much beyond my comprehension because I see these people and I hear they're whining, but at the same time, I do want to provide for them. They're my people. Yes. And you say they're your people. And by the way, I could use a hamburger too. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, and this kind of reminds us that this that <laughs> this, burger, yeah. this issue of sin is not as easy as we have all packaged up and nice and neat. That's a good. Theology. That's a good point. It's far more. It's far more dramatic than we can comprehend. In fact. I would say that it's impossible for us to comprehend the nature of sin. I, I agree. That's good. Excellent point. Yeah. And his response, both in the in the one you, you mentioned out of the garden, yeah. as well as here, appears to be and far beyond say, what we And could. now we just say, well, God forgives me everything. You know, because, you know, because I walked the aisle, raised my hand, did whatever, you know, God forgives me. And we kind of treat it like, well, it's like, yeah. good thing God doesn't, doesn't treat care sin about the way sin. that he did anymore. It's like, no, it's the same God. He must still yeah. despise that rebellion in the way that he did here. Well, your point and focus certainly brings me to a moment of pause when I read about the trampling of the blood of Messiah that's talked about in the book of Hebrews, that if we casually accept this salvation... If we don't regard sin as you're trying to elevate and, and bring to our attention, then are we not trampling on the blood of Messiah who had to suffer and die for even the small sins, not just the others where we're just completely uh, avoiding his sovereignty? And, and hearing all this, our whining about what he's provided for us, you know, we always want more. But yeah, but that manna was pretty cool when they were starving. Yeah. Right? A year later. You're tired of manna? But I'm bringing Bread from heaven? To what Magic we food? have been given. You know, he's blessed us incredibly yeah. far beyond. He has indeed. Okay, so we're going to go past the, uh, the quail. But uh, Numbers 11, verse 16, I mentioned it before. Gather for me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people. What does that mean? Leaders, godly men, men well regarded, well respected. I see two categories here. Right? I, I see two categories. Gather for me from this group and put them in this group. Gather from me, for me, into this final group, what we're going to call and title elders of Israel. So he's supposed to choose from the men that he knows that have these qualities that demonstrate that they're elders of the people. What's the number one word or adjective for that man that comes to your mind? Old, Old, okay, thank you. <laughs> righteous, okay. I got a better word. Wise, humble. That's it. Servant. Servant. I like that. I'm looking for a better word. Exemplary. Exemplary. Okay. Sage. Sage. 
I like that. This is so subjective. It's old. It is subjective, absolutely. No, I think it's important is the fact that they, I think there's one I think there's one category. I think there's one adjective that he had to see in them amongst all these. I bet he had a bunch of these. Obedient leadership. Obedient, good leadership. Patient. Godly. I think I, th- I like to think I like to think that most of them were that way I really do but I think the one thing he had to find in them was that they influenced other people with all of these character traits they had to be influencers they didn't necessarily just live their life out by themselves and be godly be leaders be this be that they also taught they also influenced others which really is the only difference in the scripture between the elder and the deacon that we see in the apostolic scriptures the elder is the one who's apt to teach he's the one who can influence the people he can change their behavior that's important I think gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel whom you know to be the elders of the people you can tell because they influence others bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their stand there with you again we're standing before God and I will come down and talk with you there so back to Juliana's point I think this was different than the cloud rising so they're taken off I think the cloud was at its normal spot and it actually went down covered the tabernacle and then went back up to its normal spot where everybody could see that it's hovering yes sir. I mean, you keep reading yes. I'll speak with you there and I will increase some of the spirit that is upon you and place it upon them okay so um, that yes. You know, for somebody who says, "Well, where is there?" Where's the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? Yeah, pouring out of the Holy Spirit prior to Acts chapter two. This is one example where the same that spirit, um, the spirit of God that Moses had, God says, "I'm giving some of that." To the Senate. Yes. Eventually the Sanhedrin. This this also I think is cool because this is if they prophesied, they did not do so again. And it reminds me of Acts 2 in that um, it's almost like this is a declaration these people are worthy leaders. And I feel like in some respect that's what's happening in Acts 2 because um, the Spirit comes on and we see all these miraculous things happen. We don't see it happen again. You don't see. Peter wandering around speaking in 19 different languages because now it's this cool new super ability. Yeah. It's more like it happens once to make a point. And then that's what we see over and over again throughout the book of Acts. Spirit would come upon these different groups of people for a time. For, for like an, a moment. This moment to show. To show, oh, the Gentiles are okay now too. And oh, these guys over here who like kind of Greek Jews who've been following John but they didn't totally get the whole Messiah thing. Now they understand Messiah, they're cool too. Like it's that God's yeah. stamp of approval, as it and, were. And they, the Jerusalem Council says that exact thing. Look, what happened to them is what happened to us. Right. They're good. And so you see, I feel like that's more the idea. The same thing is happening here. When God, when the Spirit comes on them, that's going to be consistent. It's going to have an effect on their life. But they demonstrated it in this sort of supernatural thing. It's kind of like, but that was God's way of telling the people, these guys are good. And I feel like that's stamp of what's approval. Happening 
in acts as well yes it's god's stamp of approval not necessarily that they have a special ability we didn't have before exactly Colby uh, couldn't be here today, but he texted me some of his tour comments, <laughs> and so one of them had. So to you're Colby in abstentia. That's the name of Colby. That's right. Trust the name of Carson. He was just he was just <laughs> noting, you know, because he's big on the political scene, that um, that God didn't just redistribute Moses's spirit, but he. He added to Moses' spirit, and then we distributed that. So it was, it was like the not socialistic, not a zero sum game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was not a socialist redistribution of right. a limited spirit. The pie can actually be increased. That's right. 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 More pie, more ears. More pie, more ears. Gotcha. That's very good. Okay. That's good. That's good. So we're gonna we're gonna skip El Dad, Me Dad, your dad and my dad. And we're gonna go to chapter twelve and we're gonna close up with a sad story of brotherly love. Well I wonder if they're somewhat connected though. If Miriam sees these other two guys profit, Joshua's making a big deal about it and she's like, Well why don't we get that? I just wonder if it kind of gave a thought process that well maybe Moses isn't the only one. Just a thought. Just a thought. Well, there's always the cliche. <laughs> I think this is kind of related to what you were saying earlier about how the two the men who were unclean because of the courts felt comfortable coming to Moses and yeah. just talking because they were family. Yeah. I think this is the opposite side of that coin, which is they were too comfortable with Moses. Too familiar. Too familiar. And that's why it's breeding contempt. God was getting angry. God, God, God got angry with Miriam. How dare you, you know, talk to yeah. the man who I showed yeah. my image. Yeah. For those who haven't studied this before, the text is pretty obvious that Miriam seems to be speaking with Aaron. And the question is always, well, how come Miriam got zapped, but Aaron is just crying? And uh, the best answer I have heard is that Miriam was speaking and Aaron was listening. Aaron was receiving that and was participating by listening. So that has always been a watchword for me that if somebody says, did you hear what happened with Colby? Mm-hmm. What should my response be? Don't want to. <laughs> I don't need to hear what happened to Colby. <laughs> Step away. And then back up. Always walk away. I mean, you never know. That leprosy thing might spread, you know? Tactical strike. That's right. <laughs> don't you wish he did... Actually, we shouldn't because, yeah, there'd be nothing but chairs here with little sitting spots. (laughs) So, so we have in verse 4 out of 9, 6, 7, to Moshe, to Aaron, and to Miriam, you three go out to to the tent of meeting. The three of them went out, out of 9, descended into the pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance to the tent. And he summoned Aaron and Miriam, the two of them went out. He said, Hear now my words. If there shall be prophets among you, which, interestingly enough, Miriam is one, right? Absolutely. Um, in a vision shall I, Adonai, make myself known to him. In a dream shall I speak with him. Not so is my servant Moses. In my entire house he is the trusted one. Mouth to mouth do I speak to him in a clear vision and not in riddles. At the image of Adonai does he gaze. 
So why are you talking about it? Okay, this is uh, an interesting. This is an interesting interaction here because God is making a clear distinction between Moses Moses's capacity as a prophet and relationship and with God other and relationship with God and every other prophet okay. ever. ever right. So there's a lot of there's a there's a, a bunch of stuff here, but um, this is another reason why the Torah is so incredibly important. Because the Torah was revealed to us through the hand of Moshe, right? That's what Which we it say says when we, when we do the Mazzot. Right? And, and in this, especially in this book, darn near every other verse starts out that way. Right. And the Lord said to Moses. Right. And the, and the idea is that Moses, when he communicated with Hashem, it was conversational, just like you and I are talking to each other right now. Yes. Whereas every other prophet, when they received revelation, it came in a dream, in a vision. Drug-induced uh, coma, uh, something. You know, <laughs> there is some sort of uh, yeah. sleep state, trance state, you know. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't just having a conversation. Yeah. Right? So, um, and what's interesting is the word vision in the Hebrew is the word mara'ah, uh, or mara is, is also a derivative of that, coming from the root word ra'ah, uh, which is to see, okay? Um, and so it's interesting because the sages, of course, pick up on this discussion and go, go into a lot of discussion about M- Moses as a prophet versus anybody else. Okay. And there's an interesting midrashim that I want to share. Um, this is from Midrash Rabbal um, uh, Vaikra uh, Leviticus. Um, and this is. Uh, this is one four, This is one um, section fourteen. What is the difference between the way Moses perceived his prophecy and the way all other prophets perceived theirs? Rabbi Yehuda Bar Eli and the other sages discussed this issue. Rabbi Yehuda and other prof, uh, and said other prophets viewed their prophecies through nine screens or nine visions or right? lenses. Yeah. Lenses, right? Um, thus it is written, it was a vision like a vision that I had seen before, like the vision that I had seen when I came to, the, to, the, to destroy the city, and the visions like the vision I had seen at the river uh, Kabar, and I fell upon my face. That's quoting from Ezekiel 43. Okay. Um, and so in that verse, Ezekiel 43 verse 3, this word uh, for vision is used nine times. Okay. So Ezekiel being a prophet is having this vision, so the, the word is there nine times, and they say there's like nine lenses that he sees the revelation, it gets revelation from, through, as, you, as it were. Right. Whereas Moses, it's, the, you know, it's one one lens versus nine lenses, right? So his his revelation is more clear versus less clear. The other, uh, and, and then it goes on, and it says, um, it says, but Moses viewed his prophecy through one screen, as it is stated, in a clear vision and not in riddles. Numbers 12, right? Uh, the Midrash recites, recites the view of other sages. The other sages said, all the prophets viewed their prophecy through a smudged lens. Okay? Glass dome. And, where, and where, they, where they get this from is uh, they go back it's, to It's Exodus. not Paul. They go back, <laughs> right. back to Exodus 38. And if you remember in Exodus 38, we're building the tabernacle, and the women bring their mirrors, mirrors. 
to make the labor. Okay? Right. But they didn't have glass mirrors like we have today. The mirrors were typically bronze, polished brass. And a really well-polished brass mirror, you know, gives a pretty good reflection. But if that thing starts to And it always makes it look like you've got a tan. <laughs> but if that thing starts to tarnish, that's a smudged yeah. lens, right? And that word for, for mirror is the same word for vision. So they go on to say, you know, uh, all other prophets saw through a smudge screen. That is, that, thus it is written, I, I spoke with the prophets and provided numerous visions, and through the prophets I conveyed allegories. That's a quote from Isaiah chapter 12, verse 11. But Moses viewed his prophecy through a polished screen, a polished mare. Thus it is written, at the image of Adonai does he gaze, quoting back from this portion. Okay? And it goes on, but certainly Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 10, picks up on this idea because he says in the context of talking about prophecy, we, we now see through a mere dimly smudged, unpolished, right? Uh, but we will see clearly, right? And, and so it's almost as if he picks up on this same concept of the mirrors and the screens and the lenses. Well, and, and the face-to-face. Right. You mentioned face-to-face, which is, you know, back to Moses. So how can that happen? How, how can that happen? How can, it, how can it be that we can have the revelation from God face-to-face? As Paul says, we will. How does that happen? When does the perfect come? What does that mean? Yeshua Yeshua comes here, right? Right? He will return and we will see him. As they saw him. As Moses saw him? What is it? Messiah said, the pure in heart shall shall see see God. Matthew chapter 5. Exactly right. So. So, anyway, so I just, I think it's it's cool here because I, I believe we see Shaul who uh, was most likely familiar with this idea of, of the mirrors connected to the visions and whatever. So he's picking up on this Midrashic understanding, and he's actually commenting on it in his discussion in 1 Corinthians 13. You bet. Uh, and, and he's also agreeing with the fact that Moses... Is special. Yeah. Other than the Messiah himself, Moses had the most clear and direct revelation of God. Amen. Which means everything else has to line up with Moses. Exactly right. And I think the other two points to raise to tie that together then is when Moses says, another prophet will rise up from among you, that means he's Jewish, who will be a prophet just like me. Yes. If he's a prophet just like me, he's already in a category of one with me, right? So that's important. And you, to him, you will listen, right? So Moses pegs it. Paul's already done the midrash to make it clear we need to point back to Moses, who's ultimately pointing to Messiah, but the writer of Hebrews, right? In the in the same phrase that 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 God is is lifting up Moses and saying he's so special, he's so different, he's so unique. He, how does he put it? Takes care of my household. 
the same phrase used in Hebrews 2. Yeah. Where, where, where is that? Yeah, he's, he's the... Um, he is faithful in all my house. And that's what Hebrews uses, the writer of Hebrews uses, to say he's it. But, but I think he's, he's the parallel. What's interesting about that language is, and I'm forgetting the address at the moment, and at the moment, but isn't Yeshua described as over the house? In other words, so Moses is the most faithful in the house. But Yeshua later, the prophet, is the is the master of that. Is the, the is right, the master. Because that whole Hebrews thing is this is really really top shelf. Yeshua's even better. This is this is up. Yeshua's even better. You know, good, good, good. Okay. So, how old is Miriam? She's older than Moses. She's really old. After what we just read about the older Levites, do you think the only reason that they waited for her for that seven-day period was just because she was Moses' sister or because she was an elder woman of Israel and a prophet who made a big, big mistake? Another thing we learned something really cool from this about... Um, punishment in that if it's not absolutely necessary punishment should not be an excommunication so it's kind of cool here God God sets her apart for seven days and they wait for her um, and, it, and it reminds me of like um, in uh, Dr. Dobson has a teaching idea that we're like a child needs to be spanked you spank them and you give them a big hug afterwards kind of welcome them back in kind of concept and that almost seems to be kind of what's happening here Miriam is punished she's sent outside the camp for seven days but they wait for her because she's still part of the family. Yeah, I would liken that more to the timeout that we used to use. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, put your nose in that corner and leave it there until I say you can come out, which is really an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes? Timeout in our family meant how long you're unconscious. DSS can make calls to star 99. <laughs> You turned out all right, Bubba. Did, did the people wait for her or did God wait for her? Because it's not Oh, I like that. Wow, what a great perspective. It's God and upon the people to follow God. That's right. Wait, outstanding. Yeah. I didn't really hear Time out work. He said, did the people wait for her or did God wait for her? Because the people didn't move unless God moved. That's good. That is good. I think we should close with just a, a yes, very. That's exactly. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I think we should let's let's close with a, a good reminder. But speaking against Moses, it's a big mistake. Oh, it's actually not me. I just feel like I've been. An emissary. Yeah, have to say, it or else you're gonna ask me. Yeah. Did you say that? Yeah. And, and you're then, gonna say there was no opportunity to say that. You don't want to be on the wrong side for the Kobe's punches. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. But yeah, he just had a quick thing about Miriam, and that was that Miriam didn't uh, get leprosy until the cloud had departed. He said, I don't know, debatable, and to show that you know God is holy. 
Okay. And so there's just no way that Miriam was going to have leprosy while the cloud was, was in, the cloud. in the cloud. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like that Star Trek thing with those little glittery deals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I like that. But I think that the um, we, we we hear a lot of dinging on Moses, especially in the in the church, that he was just another guy. The Torah is no big deal. It's done away with. Um, you know, I, I think if you're going to diss the Torah, that's one thing. But in order to do so, you diss the man whom God lifted up above every other man but his son. In fact, he was a prototype that we might understand who and what his son was. So if you diss Moses, you're actually dissing my master. And to me, those are fighting words. Let's pray. (laughs) Good Father, we thank you for the time that we have in your word. We thank you for the opportunity to come together as a community, an assembly, a congregation that's unified and of one mind with regard to you and obedience to your word. Father, we don't take lightly the, uh, the call, the high calling with which we've been given. As you gave to your faithful servant Moses, we pray, Father, that you would find us faithful in defense of him, his ministry, inasmuch as it parallels and demonstrates the ministry of our Master Yeshua, the Messiah. Father, I thank you for a country where I can meet with friends and family and I can worship you openly in the way that you said you wanted to be worshipped. That we can pray your word back to you openly and without concern or retribution. Father, I thank you for all those men and women who laid down their lives in the past to provide us with the freedom that we have to come together as we're doing in our home today. And I pray, Father, that their praise and our gratefulness would be on our lips on Monday as our nation takes time to remember the fallen, a memorial to those that went before us. Father, I thank you for the ultimate one that went before us, that he might inaugurate that way back into the garden, back past those two flaming swords and the cherubim and all of that, that we might have oneness <coughs> and true communion with you. We pray for your son's soon return, that he would gather us up, all of his people, and bring us to Jerusalem, where he might reign on the throne of David soon and in our days. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you, folks. God bless you.